From the headquarters of Team Cowboy, coming to you all the way from Anderson, South Carolina, this is the Finance Cowboy Show, where we're going to teach you how you can create your dream life through the greatest asset in the world, real estate. I'm your host, Jaron Sustar, and I went from having zero properties in 2018 to a portfolio of over $5 million worth of real estate by 2021. And I am excited to be able to teach you all the lessons, tips, and tricks that I have learned throughout my journey while also introducing you to some of the greatest real estate minds in this entire world. So without further ado, let's get this party started. What's up, friends? If you've been wanting to get into real estate, or maybe you're in real estate and you got a few properties, but you want to scale, but you're just not sure how, I want to help you out. The waitlist to my signature course and mentorship, the Rental Academy, is officially open. All you have to do is text me the word WIN, W-I-N, to 864 660 7148 and that will put you on the wait list so you'll be the first to know when the doors are open to the academy so you can ensure that you get a spot and along the way I'm going to send you a lot of cool behind the scenes content as well as we lead up to the day that the doors actually open to the course there are tons of students already currently enrolled in the Rental Academy having amazing success. And I can't wait for you to join in with those folks who are already crushing it so that you can change your life for the better. You can give yourself your time back. You can have that financial freedom and you can build generational wealth for years to come. So I'm here with Sam Flamont. Sam, what's going on, man? How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk to Sam uh, because he is a fellow baseball guy. He went farther in his career than I did. I, I stopped at a mid-major division one. Sam got to play professional ball. So I'm pretty jealous, but I don't know. You said it, you said it wasn't quite the the glamor that, that one might think, huh? I had people, man, people thought I was making money and they, um, they realized they made more money than working at McDonald's. <laughs> What'd you make? What'd you make when you were playing minor league ball? Um, my first contract ever was 800 bucks a month with the Detroit Tigers. I was playing at Lakeland. And they took $273 and like 36 cents back for room and board because they gave us a place to live. So they gave us like the Tiger Town dorms. So we were just using never had any money. You were broke. Wow. Yeah. Then when I left, when I left affiliated ball and I played a couple of my first, my first like um, independent contract was 600 bucks a month. And I was an all-star. <laughs> <laughs> So for all you guys listening to this, the the only people making money in uh, baseball and professional baseball are the guys in the big leagues, right? For the most part. I had somebody, you get there and you come back down. I had a buddy who was up and down, up and down, triple A, triple A big leagues. He was making 125 a year. So he played until he was like 35 years old because why not? If I can get, if I can get paid, I told my dad this the other day, we were watching like one of those XFL football games and we were just looking at what they made. And I think the average was 60. Some of them were making up to 200. And I said, if I could make $100,000 and play a game without having to neglect my family, that's a whole different story because it's almost impossible to do that. But just to go play a game every day, 100, I would drop everything I'm doing. I wouldn't do any more podcasts. Wouldn't post on social media. Wouldn't work my job. I'd go play baseball all day. <laughs> yeah. Why, why? Yeah. Cause it's either that or like doing this or selling insurance or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, a lot of money playing ball, or it would be like you know selling insurance or real estate. So, yeah, which they're great. You know, all this is great, but it's like when you're a kid, 
Do you have dreams to sell real estate or sell insurance or be in middle management? You know, not necessarily. It works out great. You get to provide for your family. You meet some cool people. You help a lot of people. But selfishly, if I could step in the batter's box again, make some dive, which I do, you know, men's league softball, it's a big deal. You know, we're <laughs> out sliding and hitting bombs and fighting. So I, I get a, I get a little taste every fall, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. So you are located in Traverse City, Michigan, yep. and um, you now own and run a real estate brokerage. You also invest a lot in real estate, which we'll get into uh, as well. But tell us you know, a little bit of your story. Obviously, we were just talking about professional baseball, but then how do we transition out into real estate, uh, into you owning now your own brokerage? So it was completely by accident. Like real estate was never a thing to me. Um, I had the other part of this thing is I was freshly divorced. My best friend and a guy I played college ball with and, and minor league ball with was also freshly divorced and we were already living in Traverse city. So we moved in together as what else do you do when you're divorced and single, um, and broke. And he started dating a real estate agent and they were talking real estate and this chick's out like paddle boarding at like 11 in the morning and they're out like taking runs at three in the afternoon, they're on vacation. I'm like, what in the hell is going on around here? Because she's talking about these deals she has and she's making money. And I'm like, wait a minute, what, wh- how is this possible? So I literally started talking to her about it. And I was like, you know what? This sounds interesting. And I had a parent, and I had a bunch of parent issues. It was towards the end of our summer season. I was now at this point in time, I had my own academy. And I had parents yelling at me nonstop. We had, we had 13 kids into college my last year, and the one kid that didn't get into college, parents were yelling at me. I oh. said, listen, your kid's no good. He's, he was in the same game that the other kids were in. The coaches didn't like him. Not my fault. So I told him, I was literally sitting there. I said, if I have one more parent yell at me, I'm going into real estate. And this is how it happened. Like Real estate was never on my radar in my life until he started dating this girl. And um, literally five seconds later, I get in my car, I start driving, I get a call and I'm getting yelled at by a parent. Hang the phone up. I turn left. I call a, I call a mentor of mine that I knew, from, not only a mentor, but a guy I knew from the gym. I knew he was in real estate. So I called him up and said, Chuck, tell me everything about real estate. And he said, come to my office. I literally drove there and the rest is history, man. I, I, I quit doing baseball immediately. I made that year, 2015, I started, I became a real estate agent September 9th, 2015. In 2015, between my baseball income and my real estate income, I made $15,000. What a what a story of fate! And to all the parents out there, stop yelling at coaches. Stop <laughs> stop raising entitled kids. If your kid's not good at something, you got to know. Hey, my kid's not good at something. It's probably not the coach's fault. Um, maybe we should try a different sport or a different niche. But instead, you got folks like Sam who are trying to give back, and now. They can't even do that and point to these kids because parents are sitting there yelling at them. And so you got the good guys like Sam saying, screw it. I'm done with this. You know, you get, I, I, I'm done. You ruined it for me. But I'd say it all worked out for you, um, you know, by getting into the real estate game. I, I What, you know, what really got you excited? Was it obviously the first piece was seeing this chick doing whatever broke. she wanted every day. I was broke. And, and you were broke. I was literally broke. So I have, so what I did, I've always had these, like I call them three pillars of success, right? It, it's make money, have fun and give back. And up until I got into real estate, I was able to do two of them. Sometimes one of them. When I was coaching college baseball, I was able to have fun because I was coaching, but I was making no money. Actually, I was able to give back because I was helping kids, but I was making no money and the office life sucked. When I had my facility, 
I was able to have fun and give back, but I was broke. Like I wasn't making as much money as people. Oh, you've got this facility. You must have all this money. You own this thing. Broke. So when I saw her, I was like, wait a minute. She's making money. She's paddleboarding at 11 on a Tuesday afternoon morning and like run, taking a jog at three o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. I'm like, okay, so what, how do I, how do I, so we started talking and she was like, yeah, I do this, this and this and blah, blah, blah. I joined my dad's team and, and, and her dad is in real estate too, but that's not, she works her ass off. So like, that's not like her story is her dad gives her all the leads. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not her story. Her story is she works. And so she told me like, hey, but I just work in bunches. So I, I set my day up to where I can do the things I want to do when I want to do them. But I get my work done when I need to get. So she gets up at five in the morning and starts returning emails. But then she's done by seven and she's having breakfast and then she's run, going for a run and she's paddleboarding. And it's like, okay. And then she was making money. I was like, I just asked her, I'm like, how much do you make? And she told me. I was like, all right, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Was it. <laughs> Sign me up. That was it. So I went into it, man. Wow. The first year, I mean, so I, like, like I said, in 2015, between baseball and the three months or four months I was in real estate, I guess it was September, so five months, I made a total income of, of 15 grand because I didn't have any closings because I wasn't I hadn't closed the deal yet. So it was all baseball money. And then um, 2016, I turned around and made $125,000. And I was like, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm doing now I can now I know. I just literally like took my income, I hate to say it, like 10x, but 10x because I can't stand that guy, but 10x it. <laughs> um, and then I, you know. That's, the was like, what was that feeling? What was that like? You know, you, you've gone from making 15000 and now you literally 10x your income. You remember what that, so, what that felt? I remember what it felt like for me. I didn't go, mine wasn't so drastic, but um, it, mine, you know, I had a, a jump like that when I switched jobs one time. And I just remember saying, like for the first time, it's like, oh, a little bit of like breathing room, I guess is the best way yeah. I could describe it. Yeah. So so I've never, I didn't come up with money. My parents, my dad was a carpet layer. We never had things, but we always had like family time. And and the, and like he was he was done by three o'clock. So he'd make all my baseball games. You know what I mean? So it was a good, I had a good upbringing, man. It was, it was fun. And I just remember that feeling was like, I can now not relax, but I can have freedom. I can go on that vacation now. I can... I can buy this piece of real estate because the whole time when I got into real estate, I had a goal. My goal was to, to own a team, to run a team and start buying real estate. And so I started listening to everybody. And back then I was listening to Grant Cardone and I loved his message back then. Don't love it now. I listened to Darren Hardy. I read his book. His book changed my life. The Compound Effect. Everybody talks about Robert Kiyosaki's book. The Compound Effect changed my life. Um, and then, dude, I just, it was like, all right, how do I buy real estate now? So then... From that day forth, I was literally, if I had $40,000 in my account, I couldn't wait to get rid of it. I was like, where can I put it? What kind of house can I buy? Where can I put it at? And so like up until last year, dude, I was living literally paycheck to paycheck, making one, two, four. I made 600 grand one year. And I'll share this stuff because I think it's important to share this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was living, literally, I had no money in my account because it was all into real estate. And that's how I am. I don't value the money. I don't give a shit. I have a Casio watch on right now, right? Like, I don't care. Um, I, I drive a Yukon because it was a $65,000 bonus depreciated tax write-off, not because I need a Yukon to look like fly. You know, it's all, it's all <laughs> tax write-offs. And, and so I, I realized what this could do for me. And it was the freedom I was searching for, and I was having a fun. My team's amazing, dude. I have the I think I have the best team in the world, 
and we're all we all own businesses together. So it's just I feel like I'm doing it right. And now it's just I own real estate. I have my time. I'm giving back. All my businesses give back to sports teams in the community. We do some stuff. We do some like coat drives this year and all that stuff. So now it's like I've met my three pillars, dude. And like I feel like I've I've created the ultimate success. And it has nothing to do with the amount of money in my account. Because even like to right now, there's people working at McDonald's that have more in their checking account than I do. Man, I feel like our story is eerily similar in a lot of ways. You know, we were different paths as far as careers, but I, I'm, we've been the same way. I mean, since 2018, we have made a lot of money, but every single time that we've had money in our account where somebody else would be like, Oh my gosh, I finally got money. I'm like, you was like, dude, I cannot spend this on real estate fast enough. And when you get in the mindset like me and you have been where you're chasing freedom, when mm-hmm. freedom is the one thing that you're chasing it. I believe it in, in a good dose, you don't want to go overboard with it. It's healthy for you. It's healthy in a long, in the long run, because you didn't, you don't get caught up on, on the hustle and bustle of materialistic things. And you're not doing things for the wrong reason. You still are mainly you're doing it to give more time back to the people you love, whether you have a family like, you know, we do, or whether you're just doing it with your friends or whether, whatever it is, you want to spend more time going hiking. Um, when you put yourself in that mindset and you're chasing freedom and you're not chasing, um, you know, flash or just rich to be rich, uh, not only do you become wealthy because you will become wealthy because you're disciplined and you're buying good assets for this freedom, but you do it for the right reasons. You help a lot of people along the way. That's what I've noticed in my journey. And from what you just said, you guys are doing the same exact thing. So that's dude, that's, that's it, man. My, my team is like, so my family's most important. I was able to take my girls. Hold on. I was able to take my family on, you know, multiple vacations this year for, for five or six days. And I can work from anywhere, right? Because I have a real estate deal going on. I can just, we're doing a development. I can I can email the engineer. I can email the architect. I can email and call my partners. I don't have to be in my office like I am right now. But it's it's just like when I found that freedom, the money created freedom. It's all I ever wanted, dude. I never, even when I was playing the big leagues, I was I never, when I was dreaming of playing the big leagues, I never wanted like the, the $50 million contract to look fancy and put on a suit. I hate fucking suits. I wear this every day, um, you know, and, and I deal with multi-million dollar clients and, and, and 127 unit subdivisions that we're going to build and 12, $15 million condo buildings. And I still dress like I want to dress. Cause I don't, I don't value that shit, man. And then my team doesn't either. So like when I, when I, when I bring people into my brokerage, I make sure like my brand and all that is so protected. And so I look for people who, have the work ethic who aren't flashy and who want to learn how to invest in real estate or already doing it, but want to learn to scale faster. And that's what I surround myself with. And because of that, we've scaled like, I mean, lightning speed. I mean, from $15,000 in 2000, like literally I have my, I post my tax income once in a while on Instagram I, that, that year, because I want, I want to like remind myself and other people, like that's eight years ago, right? Eight years ago, I, was, I made 15 grand. And now I own 70 storage units. I own 15 Airbnbs. I am developing 127 unit subdivision. And it's not me, me, me. It's because I have this amazing team and we're doing it all together. Like I don't own every sec- I don't own every 100% of every deal. I have, I have five units I own myself. Two single family homes, um, 
three Airbnbs throughout throughout Michigan and lower Michigan and Kentucky. And the rest are, I own little as 2% of a couple like big million dollar deals up to 10% of some million dollar deals. So mm-hmm. I just take a little bit off of each and the equity grows everywhere and, and the tax breaks are amazing. I just, I don't know, man. I When I start talking about this stuff, I, could, I just get excited and I ramble like I'm doing right now, but <laughs> no, I'm the same way, man. It's well, it's because it's changed our lives. You've seen what it's done to your to to your life, and um, you know you're like myself. We want it for other people because we know it's attainable. We're just we're just guys, and if we were able to do it, uh, both of us coming from not making much money to now we're we're sitting pretty than anybody can. I do want to talk about um, you know being a realtor. Just for yeah. those who are on this call, who are interested in that career, uh, who are listening to this show, uh, who are interested in that career, they're already doing it. You're a top performer in your area. Um, yes. What Number What two, is your secret sauce? How did you go from, hey, I've never done this, to now we're crushing it, to now I have a brokerage that's crushing it? What does that evolution look like? What did you have to put in place to be successful? So like anything else, like when you were when we were playing ball and we were in the gym and people were partying and we were we were lifting weights and eating healthy and we were running sprints and people were hanging out with girls and you know at the beach with chicks and bikinis and I'm in the gym by myself. It was the same mindset, dude. My first office was um, a Coldwell Banker. It was a it was a broom. It was an old um, storage closet. No windows, just a door. Like probably a jail cell. Like it was like a four by eight, right? And I sat in that boy. And I so when I was taking my real estate class and my test. I was researching like how to get started the fastest in real estate. I was watching YouTube videos and all that shit. And basically everything came back to getting on the phone. So I hit, dude, I, I passed my test on September 9th at like, I don't know, 11 o'clock in the morning. I was in the office and I had a list of like 400 people I had to call that day, cold calls. I started calling them, calling them, calling them, calling them. Nope. F off. Hate realtors. Take a hike. Hey, yep. Sounds good. Come meet me. Hey, yep. Sounds good. Come meet me. Hey, F off. You suck. We hate you blah, blah, blah. And I just kept calling. And my first month I listed seven properties. Um, and then I had a bunch of buyers and then I was able to just, like I told you that Darren Hardy book, man, like he told me about how in the book he, he outlined, he'd make a list of 50 addresses and with a box next to box next to it. And he would check off. He wouldn't leave. He wouldn't go home at night until he checked off 50 boxes next to 50 doors. And, um, so I was like, all right, shit, I got a door knock now. So I was cold calling and I started door knocking and I was doing all the shit you hate to do in real estate, open houses on weekends, door knocking, like it's uncomfortable, but dude, like I knew like my, my goal was to fail, fail fast, right? Fail a lot and fail fast, get it out of the way. Cause I knew if I did those things, the success was always right behind it. Like no different than anybody else. It, every no is closer to a yes. It's a numbers game. And when I learned that, I said, I'm going to cold call now so I never have to cold call again. Dude, I spent I spent my first six months like locked in a room, just calling every day, door knocking every day, doing open houses every weekend. And um, I did 36 deals my first year with, for like 125 grand. And the next year I did 30 deals. My price point got a little higher and I made 150, 175 grand. Um, and I stayed that, that 150 to 175 my first three years in real estate. And then... Like Darren says, dude, it just, it just compounded, it, it, you know, and it was all from those things, getting in front of people, talking to people, door knocking. It was always about how can I get to people the fastest? And the phone is clearly the easiest way. 
So I did those wow. things. And that's, that's what I teach my agents now, dude. So my agents, I had an agent here. He was like, I don't like cold calling. I don't like cold calling. I don't like cold calling. And then the new year hit. And he's like, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm a cold call. Within a month of cold calling, he created $2.2 million in leads. Just going the extra mile. And this is applicable, obviously, if you're listening to this in you know, the real estate industry or even insurance industry or sales in general, um, pick up the phones because when you pick up the phone or when you knock on doors or when you show up to customers, things happen. And then the deeper message here is go the extra mile, do what everybody else is doing. What Sam and them are doing. That's only 2% of people. 98% of people aren't doing that. 98% of people are setting a sign up and waiting on a phone call to them. And that's why 98% of people aren't that successful. But if you will fall into that percentile and whatever you're doing, who says, I'm going to dig in, I'm going to do the nitty gritty and you put in the work, you know what happens when you put in this kind of work on the front end is just like Sam says, it compounds over time. So if you will just dig in and do the grunt stuff, stay in the trenches for a year, maybe two years, maybe three, then what you'll realize is you don't have to live there anymore because you've put in so much work and you've stirred up such a lead generation pool that now you can come out of the trenches a little bit and just farm regularly what you've already dug up, you know, over the last three years. That's hundred percent correct, man. And so like, like in my brokerage, I give everybody, one of my big thing was like, I had no money. Right. I mean, I told you I made $15,000. So I had, I knew when I got into real estate, I had seven months to live if I didn't close a deal. And everybody kept telling me, you might not, you might take you six months to close your first deal. Right. And I said, well, I can't, I can't be the case. Well, it, it kind of was the case. Um, I literally was down to like my last two grand of April of April of 16. But in April, I had like $20,000 in closings lined up. So I had two grand left and I called my buddy who was in actually medical sales too. Um, he, I was like, dude, I need, I need, I need a check. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I need two grand. He's like, what? I'm like, dude, you know me. We've been homies since 12. Give me two grand. I'll give it back to you in, in, a, in a month. And um, he sent the check. I never needed it. I put it in a savings account. I got down to like like twelve hundred bucks, and my and then twenty grand popped in. I sent him a check back for twenty one hundred bucks and said thanks, thanks. Dinner's on me, and I've never had to worry about it again. Wow, just, what I, a story! I went. All what in, a man. story! You've been there. You've been at the bottom where you're like, bro, I don't know. I don't. You you had an idea that you were going to close twenty grand, but anybody who's dabbled in real estate long enough knows that you can have 20 grand lined up for April. That doesn't mean 20 grand is going to close anywhere from zero to 20 grand could close, you know? And luckily they all closed and that was it. Like, so that was the last time I've actually had to worry about like, Oh my gosh, our bill's going to get paid. And since then I've just, I've been smart, but I've been aggressive as shit. And that's why I've grown my portfolio so fast. You know, I've been able to do that. I don't don't keep money in my account. Like if it's sitting there, so let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, you just keep going. So let's talk about it. You, you're obviously absolutely crushing it uh, in the brokerage space and as a realtor. So that's yes, your active income. That's the driver that allows you to do these other things. Exactly. When did you say, all right, it's time for me to start investing and buying my own properties? 2016. When, right when I was broke, I knew that year I was going to own some shit. <laughs> and so, love it. Happened, so literally, I got some money and then I got a little more money. I think I was up to like 50 grand in my account and I had this lady who was a doctor and she was, um, she was actually, I knew her from a long time ago at the gym and she had a phone call with me and my buddy about real estate. And she was like, if he doesn't want to invest, I'll invest with you. You seem like you're doing a good job. I said, all right, cool. So I found us a, a, I found us a three unit building, a four unit building and we went half. 
And the cool part was, is like, and she knew this. I was like, hey, just so you know, like I'm a real estate agent. When I when I sell stuff, like if we buy something, I get a commission check. That's just the way it goes, right? Like, yep. she's like, no problem, no problem. Um, so my first deal ever was absolutely amazing. This guy at the gym, I'm, I'm in the gym, dude, this, this, this older guy, he's like in his, in his whitey tighties and he's like, Hey, and I'm like, yeah, he's like, I hear you're up and coming like superstar. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing my thing, man. Like I'm trying. He's like, well, I have some multifamily that I want to sell. I said, okay. So he gives me his listings and he's like, but I don't want them online. I'm like, I got to get them online. He's like, Nope, I don't want anybody to like bother my tenants. So after we listed it for like three weeks and I called all the agents that I knew were in that space, he called me and he goes, hey, why don't you buy them? And I said, because I can't. I can't go to the bank. I don't have, I've, I've, been, I've been self-employed for like nine, nine months now, maybe 10 months. He goes, we'll do a land contract. He goes, we'll do, a, we'll do a 10% down land contract. I said, okay. So he approached me. I didn't even think about this shit. And... The coolest part was we did a 10% down land contract. So my portion was five. My commission was six. So I made a percent on the deal. So I had a free, I had a free building. So you're talking about returns. It was insane. Now, um, when you to clarify for the listeners, when you say you did a land contract, you're talking about, you did seller financing where the guy who owned the, the, the multifamily, yeah. he held the note while you and your partner paid for it. I'll just tell you the deal. Exactly. It was, it was, um, it was a four unit building. And back then it was worth about, I think we paid two sixty five for this four unit building. It was fully rented, under rented but fully rented. So we put twenty six five down, right? So I had to put half of that down. Her, my other partner put my partner put half in, but then I got a six percent commission. So my commission was more than my down my down payment. And um, that's just how I got started. And then he had another building. And he's like, hey, buy that one too. And I was like, oh, I don't like that building. He's like, we'll do the same deal. I said, I talked to Jude, my partner, and she goes, let's do it. So then I got in some trouble. I'll tell you about that, too. So I had no idea about money because I never had any money. And we ended up buying four buildings that year. Um, and then I messed up with my tax and I owed the IRS $34,000. So that was fun. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Yeah, you don't know. like my. So my, my parents were never investors. My, my dad, like his, he had a savings account, right? They he laid carpet. He got money. He was in, 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 he bought groceries. He went to the bar, whatever he did. It wasn't, it was great dad, but he had fun and he did his thing. We didn't have, he didn't invest in anything. So I had no idea. Like I literally thought, and this is, this is crazy. I was 31, something like that. I literally thought, no, I was, no, I was more than that. Sorry. I was like 36. I literally thought that my down payment into the real estate was, was a write-off. So like I put this money in thinking like, I don't know that in taxes now. And my accountant's <laughs> like, what did you just do? What did you think? And he's like, no, that's not how that works. So it was, <sighs> I did some tricky stuff. I didn't do any tricky stuff like illegal, but like I bought a house that um, was way under market. Um, it was actually online. It was, it was listed. I bought it for, it was bank owned. I bought it for 130, put some money into it, pulled some money out of that bought another unit with that. And then my partner wants out. I'm like, okay, couldn't be better timing. Cause she wants out. I owe the government 34 grand. We got about 200 in equity. So we sold a couple of buildings. I would have checked the IRS for 34 grand and I never made that mistake again. Wow. Cause that was the scariest thing in the world, dude. When you get a check from the IRS going, Hey, you're $34,000 short and we want it now. Yeah. And you're like, 
can I, have, can I do a payment plan? They're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I was paying them 1100 bucks a month and nothing, and, and, and it was like going up, right? Like the penalties for, for the lateness was, was, was like more than my $1,100 a month fucking freaking payment. So here I am paying them every month and I'm like, I have to pay this off because I'm going to spend 35 grand before I have to pay them a full 35 grand. So that was a learning experience for me, dude. And now whenever I talk to any agents, first thing I say is tax account, 25% goes there. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. It's not your money. Don't make the same mistake I made. Because I didn't have an- You'll make that mistake once. It's only one you'll make once. (laughs) And then you, unless you just don't pay taxes, and that's a whole different story. If anybody's listening to this, uh, always pay your taxes. You're not going to win that battle. You'll lose quick. So- so we scaled up, man, as a partner, but then she literally wanted out. And she was like, oh, it's not for me. I have two kids going to college. And she didn't have the mindset of, like, the cash flow could pay for stuff. And she's like, nope, let's get me out. So literally I went from 13 units to zero units in about less than a year. And then I met a, I met a partner, and we, we teamed up, and all of a sudden we started buying more. And then we went back up to, like, 20 units in, in the next year because I had money in my pocket that couldn't be in my pocket anymore. I just didn't want it. So what are those, what are those units look like? Um, I'd love to hear just kind of a, um, an overview of what the portfolio looks like. I know you kind of mentioned it earlier and then how y'all were buying those properties, specifically the ones that, that you own, not the ones maybe that you're just, you had a little equity in, but the ones that you've done yourself or you and another partner, what are you using any strategies to buy? Are you buying, you know, with conventional loans, DSCR, commercial loans, burn, uh, what's that look like for y'all? So, so my first one we ever did was a house. We had a plan. We we're going to buy my first like investment in myself. It was buy to live in it, live in there two years, and then then keep it as a rental. So I, it was a bank owned house that I bought for one thirty. We lived in for two, put we put twelve grand into it. Lived in it for for two years, and then I literally moved around the corner because I knew this neighborhood was just booming. And I literally moved thirteen houses around the corner, bought another house. And my plan was to live in that for two years and then move and keep as a rental. And I executed those perfectly to where I had all this equity. So the house I bought for 130 appraised for 330 not too long ago. And the house I bought for 192 appraised for 375. So wow. then I went to the bank and said, give me some money. I didn't cash out refi. I do home, I do line of credits. Mm-hmm. I don't yep. I don't like the refis because it's permanent debt. So my line of credit, like so I took a hundred grand out recently off my house and I invested into a, a development. I put a hundred grand in that hundred grand will turn into 225 grand. I'll put the hundred grand back on the line of credit. So I owe zero on that again and I make my profit. Um, yep. so, so the way I've bought deals, I've bought deals through land contract like we said, um, conventional straight conventional financing. I've bought commercial, you know, 20% down, um, or 25, 20%, 25% down 20 year AMs. I've got some deals that are 20% down 25 year AMs. Um, never paid cash. I've actually bought, I did one deal where I borrowed money because I just want to see if I could, you know, so I knew a guy and I said, Hey, give me 70 grand. He goes, what, now, what are you doing with it? I said, I'm buying real estate with it. He goes, yeah, sure. Cause he knows I'm good for it. Even if the real estate sucked, I could still give him 70 grand. So, but I just didn't yep. want to spend my own money. And I was all over the, all over the internet. You hear people that they don't use their own money and even some of your stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so I, said, I want to do it. So I bought an Airbnb with his 70 grand. It cash flows. I pay him his interest every month. And in two years, I owe him 70 grand back. But the property already has has that money. So I could refi that property, pay him a 70 grand, still have zero dollars into the deal. 
Yeah, there's just there's a ton of ways to get this to get it done, guys. To all to all you listeners out there, there are a ton of ways. And even if so, I, I preach a lot. A lot of what I do is the Burr method, uh, yep. which is where I'm using somebody else's money to buy a property, rehab it, rent it, and I'll refinance and pay that private lender back. Um, but one thing that a lot of people don't realize, and and I did this with with properties early on that I bought with my own money is if you use your own money, let's say you got to put 20% down. A lot of our notes here, Sam, are 20% down, 20 year AMS. Okay. With a five-year balloon, that's going to be kind of the standard here. Well, even if you had to put 20% of your own money down, if you buy well, okay, if you're buying undervalued, um, through forced appreciation, tenant buy down and appreciation over the next year or two, potentially, uh, barring a, economic disaster, which could happen, there is a pretty darn good chance if things stay as is that you can go and pull your 20% back out because of the equity that's now in that property. So even though it may not be a traditional burr, so to speak, where you're turning it around in four months, you are able to eventually get that equity out. And what Sam's saying is he's pulling his equity out because it's his money. He's pulling it out through a line of credit on that home. Whereas if you're burring, you're pretty much going to have to do a cash out refinance, which you're going to get a new long-term loan on the property because you got to be able to pay your private lender back. Okay. But if you're doing like Sam's doing, you can pull out a line of credit. Well, the beautiful thing about that line of credit is you don't get charged on that line of credit until you use it. So Sam's just got money just chilling. These lines of credits on different properties chilling. And then when he sees a good deal, talking about this development, I think 127, you know, house development, I'll let you talk about that here in a second. He can throw boom, you know, all these lines of credit into it and then, you know, pay himself back over time, you know, once equity grows in these deals. So the guys, you know, you'll hear a lot of different methods. Um, you know, you listen to these shows, these podcasts, and then just being on social media, there are a lot of really good ways to get real estate done. So don't just get bogged down, um, in one particular thought process. So I'm a team guy, right? Like you, I'm a team guy. So I've never had a problem. I've never had a bad partnership and I hear people talk about their partnerships going bad and sour. I've never had it to this day. And I have partners all in all my stuff to accept a few deals. I've never had a bad partnership because we're all on the same page. We want the same thing. So like we bought me and three guys, me and four, three other guys, four of us total. We bought a full three, but three side-by-side units, Airbnb. We bought it right during, bought it, COVID hit, shut it down. We were giving it away to nurses because we thought, you know, this is, this will be our way to like give back to the community. Yeah. It sucks. Cool. We're paying the note, but we let, first responders and we let nurses stay in this thing. So they didn't have to go to their family. Wow. Good for y'all. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I really, even though we were like losing money, that felt good. Right. Cause we were paying the note and whatever. Anyways, COVID ended. And as you know, Airbnb. So we started just crushing it. Value went up and we go, you know what? Now's the time to get rid of one. So we took our worst unit, which was the middle unit. We sold it for, we bought them for 166. We sold it for 300 grand. So then we, we paid off, part of the note, kept some of the cash, reinvested that. But then we were able to have like a $250,000 line of credit. And that line of credit, dude, has done so much. We've, we've hard money lended to people and made 12, nope. 15%. We've, we've put it into our own businesses and then paid it back when like, when a big check comes in and we've just reused that line of credit over and over and over again. So this house 
is now the source of like so many payments. So like my Rose Street house, my very first house I bought to live in for 130, that has bought me a duplex. I sold the duplex, put the money back in the line of credit, took the extra cash, moved into another investment. Now it has it has bought me into a hundred thousand dollars into a into a um, the development, the 50 unit condo development that's 60% sold out before it's finished. And then like, wow, then the group and I have used our line of credit also for that same development. So when that development closes out, dude, I'm talking like a couple hundred grand that I get to take out of that thing off money that was never mine. And, and so yep. when I use these line of credits, the beauty of the line of credits, the reason I do line of credit is because hey, I can't, I'm not burying, I don't owe anybody any money. Um, so I can, but also I don't mind the burr because it's tax free when you pull it out. That's a whole different topic. But yep. the line of credit is great because we're able to reuse that. So my one house has bought me like 15 units, just having the right, purchasing the right house and then recycling the money over and over and over again. So like right now I have like, I think about a $500,000 line of credit where if I find something that I need to get, I can go drop 200 cash on it because line of credit is as good as cash. And then I yep. can put the debt back on it if I want. So then I can say, okay, I wanted to win the deal. So I brought cash and close quick. And then I can then take that money out, put it back in my line of credit. So my line of credit's paid off or mostly paid off. And I have house, I have debt on the house. But the beauty of that is if I make $5, I have no money into the deal. That $5 is still a, a million percent infinity return. <laughs> Right? Dude, it's beautiful. You're in such a powerful position. And I want to make the note here. You would not be in this position if what? If you would have never bought property. The only uh-huh. way you get in this position is by taking action. If you wouldn't, even if you were just a realtor with no investment property, no shot. You have this leverage. But but because you did it, now you're in this place to where you're, you're sitting pretty forever. So I'm able, like, I'm able to, the, like the subdivision you talked about, I am able to, my portion of that is going to be, well, we already bought the property, but we still have to put in like the infrastructure, right? The roads, the electric, the utilities, all that stuff. Um, my portion of that is coming from a line of credit that will be paid back within a year and a half. So I'll put a hundred grand in that hundred grand will cost me $8,000 on the year, right? Cause it's interest only payment. So it costs me eight, it's 8% roughly right now, which is crazy. But so I have 8% for the year. I'm at hundred grand. And then at the end of the year, that money comes back and I'm into a, I'm into 127 unit development for free. Thanks to my house. That's unbelievable. So, it's not my, so I can take my cash. So where I'm at now, I have three, I have three segments, right? So I have my income, income that's coming in like you, I work a job. My job is real estate. Your job is your job. Then I have my rental income, right? And then I have my, my line of credit that's out there just working. I mean, I put that to work. Dude. Yep. I, I, I abuse it. Um, my rental income. My, my, my money money is able to go into an account, invest in a little bit in the market, invest a little bit in real estate, but I live off my rental income. So now I'm able to, if I close a deal for 70 grand or I close a big deal, I'm like, dude, where, where's the deal? Like I'm a crack fiend, bro. I'm like, where's, where's it at? Where's it at? I'm scratching, yep. like looking for real estate to buy. Right. So <laughs> that money goes out. Yep. And um, I mix that with, and I, I keep my line of credit. I keep my line of credit for short term deals. I never want to use a, I'm not going to use my line of credit for a long-term rental because it'll never get paid off, right? It won't get paid off. It'll be, you'll always have $30,000 in debt because you'll pay the interest only, but I can go. And it's variable. Or I'm, yeah. 
or I'm going to flip a house. And so that house, I'll put the 30 in, I'll make 70, I'll put the 30 back and I don't pay anymore. I made 40 grand. So like, it's just yeah. rinse and that- once you buy the right asset one time, you could also, you could never use your own money again and just use your house's money. Yeah. And I teach the same thing. And I just want to reiterate to make sure that the folks really, really understand this. When you're using lines of credit, Sam said it best. We want to use that as call it a bridge loan, a short term loan that is going to get us into a great deal. But then we can go and pay it back because if we lose that, if we lose that line of credit off of sinking it into a long term, you know, deal, a long-term project. Well, now we've lost our firepower to continue to be able to scale. So that's great advice there, Sam. Hey, one question I wanted to ask you, and we'll wrap this up here uh, in the next couple of minutes is, you know, you you guys had those three Airbnbs and one of those Airbnbs has been a big source of, you know, uh, firepower for you to be able to continue to buy. What's your thoughts on the future of Airbnb? So we had this huge spike. I mean, the the price of homes went up and rents went up. Where do you see it going? Is it going to stabilize or is it going to keep growing i it's market to market honestly like anything else i so like in my market we are saturated big time right but the nice part is we're saturated in the sense that the other communities communities in the townships around we have townships counties townships they're all making these rules to stop more from coming so like we're even though we're saturated we're capped out like no more can come right but now we have our cherry festival that's getting bigger every year we have our film festival that gets bigger every year. We now have a horse show, dude, that's 16 weeks long. It's owned by the same people that own like the Wellington horse show. And so like people will come into there and they'll rent, they'll rent a one bedroom condo for, for 10 weeks for 20, for like 15 grand. Wow. They, they'll rent a house. They'll rent a house. My, my friend rented her house downtown for 50 grand for 34 days. She moved out. They, they went to their camper. They, they, they went and had a great time. You know, and she lived in her camper, worked remotely because she's a real estate agent too. Made fifty grand on top from her house. So in my area, what I see is we went, we were going like this, and then all of a sudden we were going like from like thirty percent returns to like eight now, ten. But all these festivals and these things are growing, so it's gonna it's slowly start to go back up again. But the big deal is for us is we have an airport that has three terminals that within the next seven years will have thirteen terminals. And direct flights to all over the country all of a sudden. So what I see happening here was this to this for us, personally for us, to that again. Because when New York starts year-round and Maryland starts year-round and we have direct flights to Texas, Arizona, Las Vegas just for part of the year right now. But once they start year-round direct flights into Traverse City and people start really, really, dude, this place is going to be. And they can't build any more units. So we're good. Airbnb as a whole, um, like Gatlinburg, I wouldn't touch. You know, Pigeon Forge, Severe. <laughs> Crazy. Field, I wouldn't touch those. The, was it the Black Mountains or is that, what is it called? The Black Rock Mountains in North Carolina? I wouldn't touch that. Um, I recently bought a house in a place called Stanton, Kentucky. It's, a, it's, it's in the mountains. It's, it's, it's north of Gatlinburg, like three and a half hours. Same idea, cabin, mountains, and it just stays booked. And it's the coolest place wow. in the world, dude. If you ever, ever want to, like, if you're a hiker, um, a climber, or you just like to get away and, like, be surrendered, like, like, just a soul-searching time, like, for three or four days, go to Stanton, Kentucky, and it's amazing. So I think That's Airbnb awesome. is so regional. It, you can't – you can't – I don't think, like, anything else. I look at real estate. It's, it's, there's macro stuff and there's micro stuff. 
And Airbnb is so micro, right? Because it's what do you have to what does your community have to offer? Or is something popping up in your community that's gonna explode the tourism? Right. And yep. so you gotta know those things good. to to know where your market's going. So that's why like that's nothing's good. nothing new's coming to Gatlinburg except more houses. So if nothing new is coming there except more homes, I don't go there. Yeah. And, and you also, to, to piggyback off that, um, is when you need to make sure you know your rules, regulations as well uh, when you're looking into a market. I think I think Sam's spot on. Where's the market headed? What do you have? What's the growth look like? <clears throat> and then does that township, county, city like short-term rentals? Will they allow you to do it? And then what is the penalty, so to speak, with the fees and taxes? Sam, so last question. If you uh, had somebody brand new um, to real estate, who's like in this paralysis by analysis mode. And then also somebody who maybe has a few units, but they're not scaling. What is your advice to, to these two groups of people to help them get over those humps and be successful? So let me go one, one thing before I answer that, let me go back to the Airbnb thing. If you find a, a township or area that has restrictions, embrace that. And then realize that could be a positive for you because less can come. So I actually like when a township has already put stuff into place. So that's that. The second question, man, is I, I've bought all my properties literally off the back of, back of a napkin. I know what the rents can be. I know what my taxes and insurance are. I know my mortgage. So I have all my fixed income. I have all my fixed issues coming in, right? And I used to save money. And I say I used to. I don't do it anymore. Everybody laughs at me. But I do not factor in vacancy in Traverse City um, because every time I have a vacancy – the person tells me they're moving out. I already have it rented. Like I'm literally passing keys. They're crossing each other. They're out. They're in. So for the last four years, I've had to zero. I've had I've had two weeks of vacancy because we put new floors in into a unit and some other stuff that we did. Two weeks and four years. Wow. Um. So it's, dude. It's if you know the rents and you know what they can be, and you know your your fixed expenses, your other costs are going to be so minimal. Like. If you have your inspection and you realize that your furnace is brand new, my CapEx is low now. If I realize my water heater is new, my CapEx is low now, right? So just go because you got to think if you buy the right deal and if your fixed expenses allow you to make – like one of my houses, I make 1200 bucks on a single-family home every month, right? Because I owe so little on the house and I make – I don't care if my water heater breaks because one month we'll cover that water heater. I don't care if the washing and dryer breaks because one month. So I don't have to factor in anymore these these crazy other numbers that a lot of investors do. I just want the asset because I know if I buy in the right neighborhood for the right price and I break even for a year, which I never do and never want to do, the following year I've made 20 grand just off the appreciation of the home. So stop and I, I, and I mean this sincerely, dude, stop fucking like staying out of the game. Stop staying out of the game. <laughs> Get yep. I tell everybody, don't try and hit home runs. We're baseball guys. I've probably said this on every podcast episode, singles, 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 singles. Eventually you'll run into that double, the triple bomb, but just hit singles and you will be successful. You will be successful. Where can people find you, Sam? Where can everybody find you? They want to get a hold of you. Where's the best place to get a hold of you? Instagram is Sam underscore Flamont. Um, Facebook is just my name. 
Sam Flamont. I think I have a TikTok, but I don't know what I am on there. Instagram is my favorite. <laughs> um, it's just, and LinkedIn is just Sam Flamont too. But yeah, dude, I agree with you, man. Just, just you got to get in the game, buy something, and then learn. Because my biggest thing for this, real quick, is if you make a mistake and you buy a property that's not making any money, but you wait a year, you can you can get that money out of that property by selling it, and you won't lose any money unless you overpaid for yep. it. So if you're smart and you purchase good and it doesn't work the way you want to, you just sell the damn thing and get out of it. That's awesome. That's great advice. Yeah. Just get started. Um, and then you'll look back, you'll say, why didn't I start earlier? Because um, it works and it's, you have no other choice but to be wealthy when you get into but real it's estate. It's easy to so. say this now. Oh yeah, you make a lot of money. You're doing this. But dude, I did this when I had zero money. When I had 40,000 in my bank account and I wasn't getting, I wasn't a big time real estate agent yet. I spent, and I say I, spent, I invested my 40 grand to where like, dude, my second year, I made 150 grand my second year, 125 my first year. And my third year, when January 1 came, I had 700 bucks in my, in my checking account. Like I had wow. 700 bucks cash that I had access to. And so when the first came around, I got another couple, but I just always was like, I eliminated all my money because it kept me hungry. Yep. I said, okay, so how do I go out and get more business, generate more business, generate more that's what I do. I still do it to this day. I have, I told you before, man, like if, if you're working at McDonald's and you're pinching your pennies, you have more money in your checking account right now than I do. And I guarantee it. I love it. Hustler. <laughs> Sam's hustling. I love it. This is a mentality um, that will scale your portfolio and uh, will make you wealthy. This guy's doing it. And uh, any, any of you guys can do it. You're looking at two guys right here, me and Sam, who regular old guys like to, you know, play baseball, came out, weren't making a lot of money and uh, just decided we wanted to change. And here we are a few years later and uh, we both are living a, a really good life. So Sam, thank you so much for being on listeners. Please share this uh, with a friend and post it to your Instagram story and tag myself at finance cowboy and Sam at Sam underscore Flamont. We would love to thank you personally for listening to this episode. But Sam, again, thanks for being on here, man. And uh, I, I'm excited to have you back in the future. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk soon. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would share it with a friend right now. Or if you would go on social media and make sure you tag me so I can thank you personally for helping me to get this message out. I want you to know that I am so darn grateful for you and grateful that I am on this journey with you. So until next time, we'll talk soon.